0: Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic with all the changes to schooling and daily life is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Now, today's guest he's one of the more unusual voices you'll hear in education circles. His name is Matt Barnes, and he believes that every role in education needs to shift. And that starts with you, the parent. His position is that the parent, not the school must become the child's head coach, and that good grades are no longer the aim. Instead, he coaches parents on how to build their kids into independent learners. Now he's taught thousands of parents on how to adopt this head coach mindset for their kids and he's done this through workshops and educational podcasts today we're going to explore what parents need to do and most importantly who they need to become so that your kids can thrive in the years to come matt welcome to the show today thanks a lot really glad to be here appreciate having me on for sure you know and um First, let's let's uh, get to know a bit about you and, and your your family. You've got kids of your own. I know they've had their own interesting learning paths.
1: Yeah, I do. It's it's weird, dude. I, I, I this has all been an an incredible kind of journey for me. So I've got a uh, an eighteen year old who yesterday we just got back from dropping him off at university. Uh, he's gonna going to be going to the University of Virginia, um, big time scholarship, to, uh, academic scholarship there. Wow, um, that's a big. He's going to be studying. What's that? That's a, that's a big shift. Well, first off, you know, there's a whole conversation we could have about if your child is going to go to college, you got to hack college so that they're not paying 60, 70, 75,000, $80,000 per year to get a degree that increasingly is, is, is less valuable than it was when I was coming up. So yeah. <laughs> he's now at university. Um, great experience. Um, my uh, middle daughter on the drive home. She completed her fundraising goal because she's writing a book. And so she's going to be published uh, and and she needed to raise money in order to uh, fund that book, uh, wow. and fu- fund the publishing costs. And so that's going to come out probably in the December time horizon. She's 17. Uh, and then my youngest daughter, uh, as we speak, she's actually, she biked to, she's 15. She biked to our church. She's the administrator at our local church, she's mm-hmm. handling online work, she's handling uh, communication, she's handling a whole bunch of stuff uh, there. And so what we're seeing, what I'm seeing is we've got kids that are like all over the place, uh, but they're capable. And that's what I want every parent to realize that your 15 year old, your 14 year old, your 13 year old, far more capable than the school or the educational system uh, tends to expect of them. And we gotta help our kids realize that too.
0: Yeah, and it sounds really like they're 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 plugged in and doing stuff that that they love to do.
1: Yeah, they are. They are. That's I mean, that's really the key. Engagement. So, you, as in the intro, you mentioned how uh, grades are not the answer. We shouldn't be pushing our kids towards grades. In fact, I talked to a dad who pays his kids for bad grades. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, he's he's trying to be. There. Yeah. He's trying to be so clear that he doesn't care about grades. If they get a B, he will pay them uh, less than if they get a C. And if they get a B, okay. he'll pay them more. Right. So, um, but I wouldn't recommend everyone go there of course, but um, the <laughs> point I'm here thinking. is that it's all, it's all about engagement. It's all yeah. about, is your child excited and challenged in what they're working on? If the answer is no, then then get out. Yeah. hundred percent. So what, you know, uh, what got you, f- fired
0: up about education in the first place. At what point did you realize, you know, what the status quo really isn't working, like perhaps for your family um, or others and realized, you know, you need to do something about this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it started when I was invited to be on my uh, uh, university board, uh, board of directors. It's a selective public university in Missouri called Truman University. And when I was on the board, that's when I began to realize that the you know what I call the game of education is something that that you can play like a game. You there is strategy involved with it. There is there are ways that you can make shortcuts and that you can hack it. Uh, but also I learned that the way that the system is built, it really is not designed to produce learners that are ready for the twenty first century. It's really producing young people who are ready for nineteen eighty five, mm. before Google, <laughs> before the internet, right before. International kind of uh, um, connectivity and competition, uh, and when I again being a part of that, and then I've been on a board of nine other educational institutions, another a private college, all the way down to a Head Start pre-K system, and in all in all the expe- uh, the experiences I've had in each ter- in each situation, uh, the systems are not preparing kids for the future; they're preparing them for the past, and so that started to get me riled up. Uh, Because I couldn't change it from even as a board member, I couldn't. I couldn't change the system. The system is what it is. Parents need to understand that and then adjust to recognize that if they trust that the system is going to prepare their kids, they're going to be sorely disappointed. As as are most parents, unfortunately. What would you say is really at
0: at at stake here at at a you know at a a global level? I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. there's there's things at at a family level, but I know you you know your passion is is about you know, really just changing the educational system as a whole. And you, you yeah. m- mentioned you, you started this global education movement, but you know, what, what's, what, what are we, what are we risking here by yeah. turning down this path?
1: That is a great question. And, and I'm reminded of a article I read recently that the title of the article was, if the answer is not education, then you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> My point here is that all roads, in our society, lead through how we educate our kids. Uh, the the dynamics that are happening in in the you know conflict in our society, in the United States in particular, that is a function. I can draw a direct line to how we educate our kids. As an example, in the United States, and I'm not sure how it works in Canada, but I'm guessing it's pretty simple. I've talked to folks all over the world and everyone is having the same dynamic. Kids are not taught how to learn. They're not taught how to be skeptical. They're not taught how to critically think. Uh, They're not taught how to handle two diametrically opposed ideas and still be able to function, right? It's all about yes or no, right or wrong, black or white conversations. Uh, There's always a right answer in a school environment. And if we continue to raise kids like that, then we as a society, as a species, are in big trouble. We cannot tackle our large global challenges from water, from, uh, you know, environmental dynamics, plastics, as well as uh, global uh, warming. We can't tackle those things if we do not raise generations of kids who are able to think differently than the, the way that uh, that thinking occurred that got, that got us to this point. So this is a, I, I see this as an existential threat to mankind. If we do not raise kids who are more able to think, then we're going to re- reach a situation where we're stuck and we can't get out of the problems that we've made for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's that's some that's some some pretty heavy uh, heavy thinking yeah, there. But that's that's right. That's <laughs> the good news. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, you've got the five point plan. We can we can roll out and, and get this. Uh to get
1: the ship turned around in in the next uh, few years? Oh my goodness, if I had that, I would (laughs) would definitely not just be on your show, but I'd be on Oprah and all these other places. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I don't have a five point plan, but I do have a couple principles. And the main one is, it is not gonna be the institutions that are gonna save us. It is gonna be individual parents like yourself, like your listeners who start to say, okay, I've gotta operate differently. I've gotta be much more strategic about how I think about my kid's upbringing. And I can never ever abdicate my responsibility to train my child in the way they should go as what has happened over the last 40, 60 years. Uh, Because again, uh, if the institution's not gonna save your kid, then really who else do we have? It's only the parent, that's all we have left. And I actually, if I'm gonna bet money, I'm gonna bet on a parent who loves their kid. Every parent I've met, every single one, even the the folks that have a lot of social problems, they love their kids, and that love is the power that can transform how we interact. But parents have to know how to do that, and that's part of what I'm trying to to help parents understand. There is a method to this madness, um, and and yeah, I'm trying to coach parents around that.
0: Yeah, let's let's dive into that a bit more then, because right. um, yeah. I know I know like a lot of parents, particularly I think because of you know, the big shift with during the pandemic and how, you know, school has shifted in a lot of different ways. And they're yeah. able to see more up close, right? What really is going on or, or not going on for that matter. And and realizing crap, you know, just sending Johnny on to the, the yellow school bus every day isn't 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 cutting it. But
1: that's right. But
0: yeah. they're scared, right? They're, they're you know, I've, I've heard this many times, um, indirectly from a lot of uh, my guests and and uh, people I've worked with, that uh, they're afraid of mess- messing it up. You know, they're not, sh- right. as, as a parent, right? They don't want to screw up their, quote, unquote, you know, screw up their kids. Um, right. They don't, you know, they don't feel equipped. Uh, maybe they don't feel like they have the time mm-hmm. um, or, or even just finances, right? Just a lot of families just getting by on what they have now. And, you know, now I've got a, you know, one of the, you know, one of the bonuses if you will of, of public education is it's you know it's it's let's face it it's it can be it's free daycare it's it's well it's paced it's paid for you know through your taxes so yep. you're, you're you're getting it no matter you're paying for it no matter what um yep so what i got to pay more now to to fix something that's that's broken so
1: speak speak to yeah. that those parents that are struggling yeah with those definitely things. Definitely no, I, and you touched on them. Actually, you mentioned fear. Fear is the dominant emotion that I interact with when I'm working with families. Fear, like you said, of screwing up my kid. Right, that's the last thing any parent wants to do. Um, and then there's these practical pieces. You mentioned being equipped. Parents don't know what to do. The time involved, and so parents are like, I don't, I, I, don't have the time to homeschool my kids. And and again, I'm not suggesting that that is the only pathway. By the way, but we'll get to it. The financing is the other part, and then expectations is really the bigger driver. Like, what do I, what does learning look like? What should should I be doing with my kids? So let's start with the fear piece. Um, you know, when we think about fear, we usually think about the threat that we know, right? So, um, you know, we're swimming in, the, in, a, in a lake or an ocean and we're looking down because we're worried about sharks, right? We know that there are sharks around, but we're not paying attention that there's a boat headed directly at our, you know, at full speed heading directly at us, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we think about uh, education, we we know the fear of my child not getting good grades, my child you know dropping out or not being uh, you know prepared for college. What we don't think about is that same child who at age twenty one doesn't know how to learn, doesn't know how to uh, to flex based on the disruptions that are happening in industry. So we have to really be careful about, fear being our driver because what, what I help parents understand is that it's the fear that you don't know about that you actually need to be worried mm-hmm. about. And right now that fear is constant disruption in our world. No, there's no job that is safe anymore. Uh, whatever you study and become an expert at, it can very well quickly be uh, uh, become obsolete because of technology or robotics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that same person, if they don't know how to then flex, how to deal with ambiguity, they're in trouble. So parents, number one, uh, understand that fear is, is a two-sided coin. The stuff you know about, that's issue number one, but the stuff you don't know about is actually more dangerous now. Secondly, um, I'm gonna go drop, drop down to expectations. When we tend to think about, you know, what should we do with our kids to educate our kids? What most parents do is they say, I don't know what to do, so I'm gonna do what I know. And mm. what we all know is how to go to school. right? We know how to put a book in front of a kid, right? And say, okay, uh, today we're going to do problems number one through 30. Uh, And and you're going to do it and and it's going to be right. And if you don't do it, you're going to do it faster tomorrow, right? That is what we know. Um, And our expectations around education have to radically shift just like our society is radically shifting. For example, one of the biggest pieces here is uh, another fear dynamic, but a fear in your child, the fear of failure. We as a uh, as young people, or and I'm not young, but, you know, as our young people are developing, if they develop into this constant fear of failure, mm-hmm. then here's what's going to happen. They're going to avoid areas that have any hint of risk. And again, in an environment that's, well, in an environment that's stable, you know, 200 years ago, farming was stable. You knew you're going to grow up as a farmer and you're going to die as a farmer. Today, it's highly unstable. You might study math and realize that your math You know skills now become antiquated within days or weeks uh you might study marketing and realize that the whole marketing environment has shifted on you uh you might study medicine i was my my wife is a physician and we're talking about the changes that are coming to medicine um we have to now prepare kids that are not afraid of ambiguity not Mm -hmm. knowing the right answer and being able to shift on a moment's notice and learning something completely different than anything that they've been exposed to before that is not at all what traditional expectations around school look like. Is that making sense so far?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and to be honest, it it sounds a lot like you know the the path of an entrepreneur these days absolutely. too. Absolutely. You know. Um, yes. Being one myself, like that's it's you you get used to to knowing that you just gonna have to try things, and a lot's going to fail, right. and it's 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 about learning and adapting and, and growing. So so essentially, we need to grow a, a future of, of people who can be entrepreneurs
1: in, in whatever shape or form. Absolutely. I've, I've used that language about entrepreneurship. And, it, and since you talk to a number of entrepreneurs, I'm an entrepreneur myself, you understand that entrepreneurs are, this is kind of how I distill what entrepreneurship is. Problem solvers who are looking to create value. That's it. Perfect. Yeah. Right. When I talk about it to parents, then I say entrepreneur, they're like, well, I don't know how to start a business. And I don't know the taxes involved and I don't know how to manage people. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not entrepreneurship. (laughs) Entrepreneurship is solving problems. And again, um, school doesn't teach kids to solve problems. It teaches kids to do specific functions or specific activities that, that uh, solve a narrow question. Mm -hmm. But the problems that entrepreneurs face are, are more, you know, you know, fundamental and, and broad. And so, yes, absolutely. It's developing entrepreneurs. No question about it. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. So again, um, I talked about the fear that's facing, that are facing parents. I talked a little bit about the expectations that we have to no longer say that we need to replicate school outside of school. We need to push our kids harder to, to, you know, get the grade and to master, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, world geography, what we need to do is help them learn how to solve problems. And the way you do that is by giving them challenging uh, problems that they don't know the answer to. And then working them, helping them work through the four questions. that Again, every entrepreneur uh, works through every, actually every high functioning adult works through. And the four questions are this, what's my goal? What's the plan I'm going to develop to achieve that goal? How do I execute on that plan? And then what do I learn? D- did it work? And if not, what do I do differently next time? Those are the four questions. Goal, plan, execute, evaluate, and then re- redo it again, right? That's what entrepreneurs do. So, so now when we talk about what the, what the learning should look like for kids and when parents are saying, well, what should I do? And uh, you know, entrepreneurs who might be listening to the show say, well, how do I get, get my child prepared? Mm-hmm. Um, now we really talk about how do you use your time with your child differently, Again, most parents they say I can't homeschool my kids, or I have to use the uh, the daycare that's provided by the public dollar. Um, and I would argue that you don't. Um, hmm. Right now, as an example, my 15 and 17 year old uh, they haven't been in a tradition. Well, they take courses based on their interests at the local university. Okay. Um, at 15. But at, yep, yep. Both started at 15. Um, and they really could have started at 14. We just had some logistics that that made it hard for me to get them to, you know, to class. Uh, they started riding their bikes and taking the bus, by the way. But um, uh, so, yeah, so the time involved is not a seven-hour day of a parent standing next to the child saying, okay, today, now get your, you know, this next hour, get your math book out, and we're now going to, you know, learn how to do whatever the math problem is. The way this works is the child says, here's what I'm going to learn about today, mom or dad, and here's my plan. And here's my execution strategy. And at the end of the day, we're going to sit down and we're going to evaluate it together. And so the parent becomes more of a coach. That's my language around head coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then the parent becomes a teacher because again, once your child learns how to learn, they don't need a teacher anymore. They need a Mm -hmm. coach, someone that can walk alongside them, give them advice and guidance uh, your plan seems a little underdeveloped here, daughter. Um, boy, that execution strategy—how did that work last time, son? Uh, maybe we need to rethink that. Or here's a new tool that you might want to consider using. All right? These are the these are the conversations that entrepreneurs and and parents can be, and can and should be having with their kids, separate and aside from whatever's going on in their school environment. You have some examples
0: you could kind of share, either from from your own family life or maybe just from some of the families you have work with. How that
1: how that looks. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, again, one of the places that parents get stuck is like, okay, how do I transition from like full on school to something different? And the way it is, it's actually a a process and it starts with a really simple, radically simple um, um, check. I call it the the daily check in. And so, if you're trying to help your child learn how to set goals, plan, execute, and evaluate, then the parent and the parents playing the role of a coach, then in the morning, the parent should sit down with the child, five minutes, no more than five minutes, and ask, and really this can actually take two minutes. You yeah. ask the child, okay, today, what's one thing that you would like to learn or learn about, mm-hmm. right? One thing, don't make it two, right? Write it down on a, what I, what I coach parents on is to do this at the dinner table or breakfast table or whatever you sit and write it down on a sheet of paper and just leave the sheet of paper on the table so that it prompts you at the next meal. Right. So okay. again, uh, today uh, daughter says, I want to learn, I don't know. I want to make something up. I want to learn about, uh, um, about trees, right? Not a great goal, but that's okay. Cause all we're doing is helping the child learn how to do this. Right. Gotcha. Yep. What's the second question is, okay, what's your plan? And the child might say, uh, I'm going to uh, go outside and draw pictures of the trees that I see. Great. You don't evaluate it. You don't uh, judge it. Uh, no shame, no blame here. Parents. Uh, and you write that, th- those two things down at the end of the day, at dinnertime or bedtime, you say, hey, did you achieve your goal? Question number one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then what did you learn? And so nine times out of 10 for the first week, the child will say, no, I didn't achieve my goal. Well, what did you learn? I'm not sure. And that's when the parent can step in and say, oh, well, it seems like your, your plan didn't really have a good execution strategy. Right. It seems like you Mm -hmm. had an idea to learn about trees, but you didn't really have a date or time that you were going to do that. Um, No check in associated with it. No reminder or alarm. Right. And so now the child is now starting to build the skills. You do that every day for one week, maybe two weeks. And what you will see is your child who is all over the map and your child will realize that they're all over the map. They're not making progress in, in any direction, and they're actually not making good follow-through. But they'll start to learn how to improve, and that's the whole point. We have to be really patient here. But I promise you, you do this for uh, for two weeks. Well, actually, one week. You do it for one week, and your child's going to realize one that they're not very good at this, and two, they're going to also start realizing there are tools that they start to use to get better at planning or at setting goals, planning and execution and evaluation. So that's a really Really simple example. A, a parent I worked with after week one, the child uh, said, "Gosh, every day I had a different goal, hmm. right?" And the mom was like, "Well, wow, is there any, are there any of these goals you're really interested in?" She's like, "Yeah, I really want to learn about theater." Okay, well maybe next week we kind of focus on theater-related goals every day of the week, and the child's like, "Yeah, that's what I really am interested in." Wow. So that's a perfect example of a child that is now learning how to learn. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's appreciate- a bit long-winded, but I I can go on in this. This is this is yeah, this is uh this is exciting for me.
0: Yeah, I, get, I get, yeah, you're getting you're getting you're getting fired up um which is fired up. That's right. <laughs> which is which is great. I mean, this is this is what what I you know, parents want to want to hear about. So um oh, yeah. yeah, can I give you so, another example?
1: Sure. All right. So this is uh so there are some skills That every child is going to need right basic math is one of them and reading is another hugely important skill but i'll add a third one and that is actually communication verbal written uh, even visual communication those are all hugely important elements that have to be developed and coached so one of the things that it relates to reading that i do and encourage other parents to do is something i call sit sit time s-i-t time. And all this is, is every day we, we schedule a small amount of time where we are going to do nothing but sit with a book, any mm-hmm. book, and we're going to uh, sit with it. You don't have to read it, but you're going to sit with it. And this happens every day, once or twice a day, ideally at the same time, um, and in increasing amounts of time over time. So day one, depending on the age of your child, let's say they're eight and they hate to read. So day one might be 15 seconds with the book on a couch, literally 15 seconds. You set an alarm, when the alarm goes off, hey, we're done today, good job. <laughs> Day two, it's maybe 16 seconds, right? Day five, it's, it's uh, 30 seconds. And you slowly build the musculature about reading um, uh, endurance. And so after, and again, another, I can give you tons of examples on this point, but after two weeks of doing this, I promise you, your child will be able to sit for five minutes again, depending on the age. Like if they're two, we might be at, you know, at, at one minute, but if they're eight, we can absolutely be at five, maybe even 10 minutes. The key points here for parents are go slow. Do not force your child into a situation where they now are digging their heels in. Take it slowly. The child will develop the endurance to sit with the book and once the endurance comes then the reading actually will start to follow after that so another example yeah and
0: and presumably over over time that's something that they start to look forward to and you
1: know wanting to invest that time yeah they do That's right. kids start to look forward to it and the kids that hate reading um part of the reason they hate reading is because they always are pushed to do more than they feel like they're capable of doing can you imagine what it would feel like if every day you're being pushed to do something that you're not very good at. That would really, that would really be painful over time. And so, what we're talking about here is we're going to slow things down. We're not in any rush. All of the state standards around, you know, uh, kids reading and things like that. It's all BS. It was made up. It doesn't have any correlation to actual human development. Uh, and but if you do what I'm describing over the course of weeks and months, your children will become readers. It happens every single time. I've not had a single parent who's worked on this plan and their children have not become someone who can consistently sit down, read a half an hour, an hour, two hours a day, um, you know, uh, of a variety of books. And, and that is the pathway not pushing a child to read between the hours of 10 AM and 11 AM because they're in English class.
0: Now I, I know for me as a, as a parent with, with three teens in particular, um, you know, one of the challenges that I, that I found with them is, is, just screens, right? Like, um, oh yeah, it's so easy just to be uh, entertained um, by you know the, the next Instagram post or YouTube video and, and whatnot. Um, oh yeah. So it would. So how would you you know work with a parent? Say like myself, who you know ha- has kids that were that are older now, right? So you've got fewer fewer years on the, the runway, if you will, before they're they're yeah. off on their own. Um, yeah. To try to
1: you know adjust that that direction, that course. Right, so um, screens are one of these new distractions that are so powerful. You know this, right? Um, and, and I'd be lying to you if I said that I've got all this figured out, by the way. <laughs> um, all, all I can do is tell you how many parents I've talked to and I've learned from most of these parents. And so here's one of the things that I've learned about screens. One, you are the parent. So, if you think about if you put on your put on your head coach mindset, you think about taking your child to practice. You wouldn't say to the child, "Do whatever you want at practice," right? That would be that would be disastrous mm-hmm. because the kids would be doing you know playing instead of learning the skills they may need. So, there are some uh, there's authority that a parent can bring, and sh- I argue should bring to the conversation. As an example. Um, there is a uh, a very simple tool it plugs into your router it's a timer Uh, and that timer will go off and on based on the schedule that you set so and this was something that i ended up doing with my kids around the age of 12 when they started getting really in one really into and just had a hard time shutting things down at night Mm -hmm. so the timer went off at nine o'clock after nine o'clock there was no internet access in the home right uh, and, and I had to step in because my child was struggling with this skill. Um, so, so, you know, that's my strategy. I've heard other parents that say, you know, it's, it's completely, completely admitted. I think that that's dangerous. I think that you're exposing your child to way too much, but again, other parents may, may, may challenge me on that as it relates to you. And you've got a 17 year old and 14 and year olds, if I recall, correct. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for you, I would be in negotiation mode with your 14, with your 17 and your 14 14 year old. Hey, sweetheart, um, you know you are now you know um, you know you're an adult by all practical you know practical purposes you are an adult. Adult. Two hundred years ago, you would have uh, you know if you're if it's a daughter at 17, they would have had a household. They would have had you know a couple kids. They would have been right, handling so, yeah. everything <laughs> on the farm, right? They're adults. So as an adult, we have to actually interact with them with much more respect. So I would argue with your oldest. Okay, I'm watching you and I'm seeing you struggling with tech and tech access. What are the goals that you actually have, daughter? And do you think that the tech is actually helping you move towards those goals or helping you move away from those goals? If the answer is the latter, I'd like to help you, daughter. Would you like help in figuring out ways to do this? okay so here are some ways we can do it we could set up a timer on the on the uh router we can uh we can put some systems on your phone to give you to minimize your access but it's really a negotiation with your daughter instead of a i'm the parent you're 17 but i'm going to tell you what to do kind of thing and uh that's an example of one of the ways that i would recommend a parent consider it if their child is really struggling and they're Mm -hmm. you know older than 13 years old or so
0: yeah no that's 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 great advice and at least fortunately in my case the eldest, she, she's actually pretty smart about um, managing her uh, her tech time. It's more my uh, my two younger boys who uh, ah yes. have, have yes. the challenges.
1: Yes, I actually I've seen. It seems like it's a bigger dynamic for boys, mostly video games. Um, but uh, but the same of rules apply. It's this question of if your children are becoming clearer about some of their purpose in life, that they have goals that they want to accomplish then the conversation can be much more of a negotiation about how do I help you achieve those goals? And how do we make sure that this tech is not getting and interfering with this goal? And again, from from my perspective, just so you know, I I also come at this from from a bit of a faith perspective. I believe that God placed every person on this earth for a purpose. And I have yet to see a purpose of like studying YouTube video cat videos as like (laughs) a legitimate purpose. I'm arguing that most most kids and people are here to try to do something to improve the world. And mm. when a child becomes passionate about some opportunity to improve the world, that's when they now can start to weigh their tech use and their, um, um, you know, and their advancement towards a purpose. And tech is really a tool that can be used for good or for evil. It's a mm-hmm. question of, of really how it's being used.
0: Yeah, I, I really agree with that a lot, and, and it reminds me of some other conversations I've had on on the podcast that the the key to a lot of a key to a lot of this really is finding that passion, that interest, mm. right? Like a lot of times I think, you know, I see it with my kids at times as well, is it's it's like they can't think of anything else to focus on. So by you should have got the default device Bingo. that that's there ready to fill in that empty void, right? Bingo. So, so how how you know, if so for parents out there who are, you know, yeah, like they talk, maybe they talk to their kids and try to see what they're interested in. They're like, oh, I don't know. And they're just kind of shrugging their shoulders and aren't really offering anything yes. of, of, of interest. Uh,
1: where, do they, where do they kick that
0: off? How do they, how yes. they make some yes. So this
1: is, again, one of my major criticisms of the traditional school because they never stop to ask these really fun, fundamental questions of the kids. One is, what are you curious about? Right. And so here's, let's, let me, here's an example of a, of a uh, family I worked with some, some weeks ago. Um, I said, all right, let's just, let's just put pause on all the school conversation and just ask your child, what are they curious about? And there was a six-year-old who said that she was curious. She pointed at her skin and she's like, "I, I wondered what's under my skin. I'm curious about that. And I'm like, that's, that is fantastic, right? Absolutely. That is a world of discovery and learning, waiting for that child. And so from that point on, then it was really a conversation with mom. All right, she wants to learn, she's curious about this. Great, let's take her up on it. So now let's bring some documentaries in around uh, the body, the human body. Let's find the closest museum that may have an exhibit around the human body. Here in Houston, we actually have a health and science museum. We're absolutely going to that museum uh, to go and take a look. Um, so. Uh, but once the child now begins to realize that what's happening is that they can actually say I'm curious about something and then I'm going to get support in learning about it now that actually gives the child freedom to start saying "Boy, I'm I'm curious about uh you know trees or I'm curious about war like why do people fight each other well let's let's talk about it let's let's explore um do you find
0: it's pretty uh, easy to to for for all kids to, to really jump into like some real curiosity or or do you find sometimes there's still kids who are like I just, I don't know. Like I just. And this
1: great question. And this is fascinating. The longer the child is in a traditional educational structure, the harder it is for them to answer this simple question. Mm -hmm. You ask any four-year-old, what are you curious about? You can usually watch them and get a sense of what they're curious about. They'll be doing things that, that tell you what they're curious about. Mm -hmm. So, but yes, there are many kids who when you ask the question. The answer is, I don't know. So then, I argue that that's 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 the issue number one that we need to now focus on. So that's that's going to now drive all of our conversations, and we're going to start to explore things. And that exploration, ideally, doesn't happen in a book, it can, but ideally, it happens in the world. And so uh, I would argue that if your child's not sure what they're curious about, then let's walk downtown, and let's walk around, and and I want you to point to anything that is. That you don't understand right or anything that that's uh, that seems weird to you right yeah. or let's walk around downtown or our neighborhood and i want you to point out every problem that you see right there's a parked car that uh, the tire is flat here's trash in the street there's a dog that's loose and running around each of those are problems and each of those problems there are solutions that that await that child if they now want to dig in a little bit. And so, but what you're trying to do is get the child to realize that there are all these questions all over the place at all times. Just right. Yeah. Just instead of waiting the for the school. Yeah. Instead of waiting for the school to say, here are the questions that you need to now think about, mm. the child can actually identify those questions. And so you will discover something at some point where the child will go, huh, that's that's weird. Why does that happen? Well, mm. I don't know. Let's let's let's, let's, find let's out. start to talk about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's find out. Awesome. So,
0: um, Matt, I'd love to um, sort of sort of shift to the the last part of our conversation. You know, sure. talk talk a little bit more about um, this notion of independent learners, right? Which mm-hmm. which which for you is really what this is, which is all about. So, so yeah, talk a bit more. What what is, what is
1: independent learning really look like? And, and... yes. So thank you. Um, this is the this is the. The concept that actually gets me the most excited and I stumbled on it accidentally and the issue is this that learning independence when a child is able to learn on their own that that is actually freedom, but not just freedom for the child. We already talked about how the child now can can realize there's a problem, and if they're an entrepreneur, they can see the parked car and they see the flat tire, and they can go, "Whoa, maybe I could fix flat flat tires and get paid for that," and right, or the or the dog that's loose. Maybe I could, you know, create a better mouse trap to keep the dog in the fence, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's freedom for the child, but it's also freedom for the parent, because the parent now can watch their child, like I just did with my 17-year-old, I can watch, or 18-year-old, I can watch them leave the house. And yes, I'm sad because I'm not gonna see them every day, but I'm excited because I have 100% confidence that they are going to crush it wherever they go, whether it's college, where they start a business, whether they go on a mission trip, whether, whatever it may be, it will start to work right away, whatever, it may, they're gonna crush it. So learning independence equals freedom. And there's three elements of, these, of this idea of learning independence. It's really, four learning independence is the, the key one. But the it's based based on the following: learning intelligence. All we've been talking about today is really about helping parents be, have more intelligence about how learning actually happens. And we could we could talk about that just that point alone for an hour, right there, right? Uh, but but parents, you need to become much more intelligent about how learning occurs in your child, but also in 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 kids generally and in yourself. Uh, so that's the first one: learning intelligence. The second one is. Learning independence. Once you as the parent start to realize, hey, actually I have skills and my child has interests and curiosities, we can actually break, th- break free of institutional rigor and institutional uh, boundaries and, and restrictions on learning. Our child can now learn it. Like my daughter, she interviewed uh, the director of a homeless center because she was curious about homelessness. Why are so many homeless people around, mom? I don't know. Let's figure that out. Let's go and talk mm. to somebody. That's, awesome. um, that's the kind of learning that's possible if you get out of the school, right? If you don't, yeah. uh, if you stay dependent on the school, you won't be able to have those types of learning opportunities. So learning independence is step two. Le- step three is learning interdependence. Um, and interdependence is all around. You can't learn alone. I, let me say it differently. You can learn alone, but you learn a lot faster if you learn within a group. Mm-hmm. There's a there's an African proverb that says, "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with a group." Yeah. And what what, it's, what, what one of my en- favorites? Oh, I love that. Right? It's so and it's so entirely true. And so for your child, you need to have assistant coaches around your child that help to create this interdependency of learning where now you have some, you know, a couple people who are entrepreneurs that your child can bounce ideas and problems off of. And you have some people in the, I don't know uh, writers or community you know, marketers that you can bounce some ideas around marketing and some people, I don't know if you have a faith, you know, that's important that you can bounce your faith questions around, right? You want to surround and orchestrate a, a series of assistant coaches that are surround your child uh, that that's help to meet needs real anticipated needs that your child will have. That's uh, interdependency or learning interdependency. And then the the fourth is actually called learning integrity. Learning integrity means everything that you're hearing, parents. Some of you will actually be moved by one or two things that you heard me say today, but you won't do it. You won't follow up on it. And that means you're not being you're not, you're not true to yourself. You're not creating integrity in how you were going to focus on learning. So learning integrity is all about the kind of the spiritual, the not faith-based, but the spiritual side of this, which is I, my job, my number one job as a parent is to raise my child so that they're ready for the future. That is my number one job. And if I'm hearing things that could improve that, my operation of that, and I don't do it, that's an integrity question that I'm going to need to wrestle with myself. And so, learning integrity is the last thing that I want to help parents realize. They can follow through in small amounts. They can be uh, integrity they can have in high integrity as it relates to their child's learning process, um, and to continue to grow themselves and their children to make sure you know their kids are ready for a, a really un- uncertain future. So, uh, again, learning independence—I'm sorry, learning um, independence is around learning intelligence. Uh, learning, well, sorry, I'm mes- mixing this up a little bit, but sorry. learning intelligence, learning independence, learning interdependence, and learning integrity. Those are the four components that equal freedom for the child as well as for the uh, for the parent. Yeah, no,
0: I, I really love that. And and all that really resonates highly with, with me as well. Um, yeah, really, yeah, and hopefully really encouraging, inspiring for people out there that, that this is possible. So it Matt, is. I, I'd, I'd love for you to um, share a little bit about, um, what you're doing to to help parents with this yeah. through, through the education game and, and your coaching and whatnot?
1: Yep, yep. So you know, all I do is I try to help parents. I coach parents to become better coaches themselves, right? So they can contact me at the education game, uh, and we can set up a free one-on-one conversation where we'll I'll give you some you know some some tools and some coaching. If you want a longer relationship, then there's, there's usually a fee associated with it. But what I have been doing is I never make fee the fee the barrier. Uh, I have clients who are paying zero, and I have pi- clients who are paying full fare, and I have some clients that are paying above full fare in order to help you know pay it forward to others. The point though here is that every child, every parent needs a coach so that they can become the best coach for their own pa- their own kids that they can be. Uh, and then the other thing is this global education movement. I think you heard about, which is. The dynamics that are happening in Canada and the United States are are no different around education as the UK and France and Spain and Japan and Korea and Australia. It's like all the countries are all dealing with the same dynamic of kids that are burned out, stressed out and, and really not liking learning. I'm trying to create a group of folks who are working together to try to unseat what learning has become. Learning has become school. That's what it's become. It has not become curiosity problem-solving autonomy agency. Those are the things that I'm pushing for. And so that that's a, an action for those families and folks who are connected in LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn and you're going to see posts almost every day uh, and inter- invite invitations to events where we learn about how do we work as a community of, mm. of families, um, uh, educators, former educators, to change how Learning happens in this broken world, so that our world can be healed by the next generation coming up. Well, consider me uh, your next sign up. but definitely, uh, definitely awesome. be a part of that. Find, Matt. find me on LinkedIn. Matthew C. <laughs> Barnes is my uh, is my name there, and you can uh, connect with me. So I look forward to, to to working with you there.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's um, you know, I, yeah, I share the same the same passion, right? And that's mm. it's it's really. Yeah. I mean, education really needs to be about, um, you know, enabling our kids to be their best selves and, and then to yeah. be that, that difference in the world. Um, you know, I, was, I interviewed, uh, just yesterday actually, uh, a girl down in, in Virginia, who's 17. And, um, you know, she's, she's working to, to introduce like anti-racism, uh, curriculum mm-hmm. in, in schools and whatnot, you know, but she's, she's mm-hmm. got that fire. She believes she can make that difference. Um, and, uh, awesome. Yeah, we need, we need more of that
1: in our, in Absolutely. our world. So. Absolutely.
0: So, Matt, um, other than uh, LinkedIn, uh, where, where, where are you online? Where can people uh, yes. reach out to you? Yes, the,
1: theeducationgame.com is the place to start, and you can connect with me there, join our community, as well as get more information about upcoming events and things like that. So, the theeducationgame.com is the place to start.
0: Well, I'm, I'm so um Delighted and, and grateful for the work that you are doing in the world um, to make a difference for for the future generation. Um, clearly, your heart is in this, and you you're, um, you have a lot to a lot of gifts to to give um, in this space. Well, thanks. So, thanks.
1: Thank you. No, my heart is definitely in it, and I'm going to keep doing this until someone puts me in the ground, uh, <laughs> but but not a moment before. Awesome. All right. <laughs> thanks again for the conversation. All right. Take care.